Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, or that really annoyed person on Twitter who needs to get better about tweeting about things to make them happy. Yeah, it's been one of those weeks, hasn't it? I know because I see a lot of y'all's tweets and yeah, yeah. But today we're going to talk about the end of the world. That'd be happy, right? I don't know. That'd be different. So we have finished watching Umbrella Academy and the first thing I have to say about it, and this is like the weirdest non-spoilery thing that I could ever say about any piece of media that I ever watched. It actually made me finally like a song by Gerard Way. Which I'm shocked by. Like, I didn't even realize it was him. And, like, I'm having more weirdness in my head over that than the show itself. So, if you don't know, Gerard Way was the lead singer for a band called My Chemical Romance, which was, you know, kind of a thing. And not really a band that I actually liked. And he went on and he wrote Umbrella Academy, which is a series of graphic novels. I think they said that they're eventually heading towards eight of them, and they're currently publishing the third one or something like that. Don't know, don't read the comics, so bear that in mind with everything that I'm about to say here. Um, but twice within the series, you will hear a really cool cover of Hazy Shade of Winter, and that's Gerard Way. That's him. He did that. I've never liked a song by Micah Chemical Romance. I didn't know that it was possible for me to like a song by him. Granted, he's cheating because that's a great song, but still. Credit where credit's due. Great cover, good song. Hey, I'm down for that. I'm not going to do too much plot talk before we get into spoilers, just because, oh, we're going to get into so many spoilers today. But overall... And remind, mind you, I have not read the comics. I do not plan to read the comics. I don't know how it compares to the comics, except for I've heard some people say things that I don't know. Some people were upset, some people weren't. You know, it's a, it's a story based on comics, so they're going to, you know, there will be people on all sides. But I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. I mean, it kind of cheated in that, you know, there's a talking chimpanzee who, by the way, rendered awesomely, and they cheated. I found out that they cheated, and they cheated in the greatest possible way. Netflix hired the company that did the special effects for Plant the Planet of the Apes movies to do Pogo. So they cheated in such a wonderful way. They're like, hey, you guys do really good talking monkeys and apes. Can you do one of those for us? Brilliant thing to do. He looks so real. He looks so part of the scene that, honestly, and I don't know how they filmed the actual scenes, 
I started wondering how many, how much of it was actually somebody in a costume with a CG'd face somehow perfectly put on. Like, they did a really good job with Pogo, and that was amazing. They also had Ellen Page in it, and that's a little bit of a weakness for me. So, those two things being considered... Oh, and of course, how can we forget? The guy who played Dickon Tarly, that is just fun to say, because it sounds like you're making fun of somebody, but you're not, because his character's name was Dickon. Yeah. You know... The, the brother of Samwell Tarly from Game of Thrones who got kind of roasted by Daenerys because his dad's a... Oh, how can I say this politically correctly? A dick-on? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so he's in it. I recognized a couple of the other people too, but all in all, good cast. I enjoyed the series a lot. Mary J. Blige was amazing in this. I've seen her in some movies before, did not think of her as a comedic actress, you know, or an action actress, or, I mean, the idea of Mary J. Blige playing a contract killer from time, I, I can't really say the future, because I don't know where they get all of their time agents from, but, yeah, did not expect that, did not expect to enjoy that as much as I did, really liked her, all in all, I, I really enjoyed the show, but we're going to be talking about it in a way that I haven't heard people talking about today, because it's the one thing that just like the show made me mad in one specific way. It's basically the same plot as Titans on the DC universe app down to color, you know, tone, similar plot points, similar characters. But it's actually good. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, if you haven't seen either Titans on the DC Universe app or the Umbrella Academy on Netflix, and you do not want spoilers, go watch them, come back, listen to the episode, and tell me what you think. Spoilers shall be incoming in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And here we go. Yeah, these are the same show. They're the same show. If if you hadn't told me that this was based on a comic that came out quite some time ago, I would have felt like Netflix just kind of looked over at what DC was doing and went, that's not how you do that. Rewrote it and released it as their own thing. I mean, down to the characters. Starfire on in the in Titans has such a similar story arc to Vanya. That she doesn't know her past, she doesn't know where she's coming from, she's kind of a hero through most of the series, until she turns into a villain who's about to bring up, who helps bring about the apocalypse. I mean, that's the same story. And we can go through the characters one by one, from, you know, number five is basically Jason Todd, who just shows up and creates random acts of mayhem and violence. We have, um... See, number one, Luther, who's basically Dick Grayson, who is all manner of messed up and touched in the head because Bruce Wayne's a jerk. Which, by the way, was a joke I started making really early watching the show just as a bad joke because it was kind of reminding me of Dick Grayson. But 
oh my goodness, Batman's a joke, is a jerk. And that's like the theme of Titans and the theme of this show, except for their Batman is a rich, eccentric billionaire with a monocle who also commits suicide. But that's a whole different thing. And here's where the numbering and I start getting lost because... Oh my goodness, shows that use numbers for names just drive me crazy. Um, was it number six? The one who could talk to the dead? That's Raven. That's Raven's storyline the all, all the way through, with the exception... Was it four? I, I, I'm debating between... I, I don't know. The, the dude with the drug problem. Brian is in the background raising his hand going four, if you want to know why I'm laughing. Um... No, yeah, that's right. Six was the one with the weird Cthulhu monsters. But, okay, so, speaking... So even that, I'm sorry, even that's Raven, because he ends up at the end summoning the the spirit that brings the Eldritch Horrors into the world. Granted, he's still a hero about it, and he doesn't actually... He isn't the one that brings about the apocalypse, because Vanya does, but his character arc is basically Raven's character arc, just with a lot more drugs. A lot more drugs. Like, my teenage years full of drugs. Um, just insane. And that's... It, Beast Boy? Yeah. P take your pick. That could be either your lovely famous girl, who doesn't seem to have problems, but oh, secretly does, because... She's done things in her family that she just can't take back. Yeah, that's basically Beast Boy's story. Or we could go with the, uh... Yeah, I'm just... I'm gonna stop. The characters line up. The plot lines up. Why is it fun? Oh, yeah. Because they allowed it to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's a dark, depressing show. The show starts basically with, here are some orphans, here are some freaky things that happen. They all get, you know, brought together by this crazy billionaire guy. Oh yeah, and then he dies, and everybody comes back, and everybody has problems because dad's a jerk, and everybody else is a jerk, and argue, 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 moan, 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 wah, wah, life's hard. That should have been morose. That should have been a downer. But you know what? They let characters have... This is this is going to shock you for a comic book story. Especially if you work for DC. They let the characters have a sense of humor. Yeah. A sense of humor. They can tell jokes. They can be funny, either intentionally or accidentally. Because some of them are accidentally funny about some of the things that they do. They have a robot mom who is just hilarious, mainly because, you know, after having watched um, th um, Three Below, which, again, if you haven't seen it, Nick Offerman is an alien killing machine. What more do you need? Go watch it. It's fun. Anywho. I, I kept waiting for her to go, like, robot samurai, like, they're... <laughs> Robot Mom can, because, I don't know, they reminded me a lot of each other. And this is a show that could have done so many things badly, because one of the things that was such a risk in the show is its use of music, and I'm going to talk about that more after the break, but 
the addition of pop music that you recognize, that you know the words to, even if they are covers, you know, some originals, that helped the show. But Titans tried some of that. The, the main difference is they let the characters have a sense of humor. There was a sense of fun. Watching Diego go out and do his crime-fighting shtick was hilariously fun. Because, well, apparently, if he throws a knife at you, it is going to hit. That's his superpower. And because of that, he's so cocky that he's overconfident, which leads to humor. You know, funny stuff happening. And then the villains... The villains were just insanely funny with obsessions about donuts and whatnot and bird watching and yeah, it, it, it's been so long since I've watched a show that's dark and grim and gritty that allowed itself to have a sense of humor so that it could be funny, like downright hilarious in parts and yet still have that sense of gloom pervading through the entire thing. I, I can only hope the people of it, over at DC watch Umbrella Academy and take notes, because it's everything that Titans was missing, even though it's the same plot. It is. It's... It, mm. And I'm not saying that to hit on either one there's only so many ways you can accidentally on purpose bring about the apocalypse so you know that's not saying much saying that it has the same plot but you know oh my goodness it was fun if you haven't watched umbrella academy you should definitely check it out if you read the comics I, I, I'm, I don't even know if I care how close it was to the original, just because translating comics to television is such a difficult process, and it's harder than it would be for prose fiction, because prose fiction generally deals more with character and plot and conflict, whereas the visual nature of comics can sometimes short shrift some of that. And that's one of the things that when I watched some of the special features and some of the interviews that the creators of the comics did, that they were talking about, that they were very excited because with the show, they could do a lot more with characterization in the show than they could with the comic. So, you know... I, I generally try not to hold a comic to the same standard, you know, a based on a comic show to the same standard that I do for a movie or a TV show based on it. But I, I'm kind of curious if you still liked it. But, you know, coming into it, having some idea about the Umbrella Academy going in, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the show. And we'll talk a little bit more after the break and we're back hi okay so i mentioned that i wanted to talk about use of music this is where umbrella academy could have gone terribly horribly catastrophically wrong because 
it kind of, I don't want to say it this way because it wasn't derivative in that way, but you know how Quentin Tarantino likes to put like really happy, bouncy music in the background while really horrific and horrible things are going on. This show kind of does that. And it's choice for some of those songs. Like, if I'm not wrong, didn't they use Leslie Gore's Sunshine, Lollipops, and Rainbows during one of the most messed up fight scenes of the entire show? Which, as you all know, I'm a huge fan of Leslie Gore. I love Leslie Gore. And that could have gone so horribly wrong because that song is so over-the-top, jolly, happy, fun time that it could have bounced over into just ultra cartoony weirdness, disjointedness for what it was and what it was happening at the time. But in the bizarre way that you find yourself not questioning the fact that there's a talking chimpanzee running around the house and a robot mom who's like 50s mom who needs a Xanax and all these other crazy things. Like, you just don't question that. Somehow, they they, they pulled that off as well. It's just... I hope that they don't... My, my biggest fear, and why I wanted to talk about it separately and spend some time on it, is like... I am concerned that for season two, that's going to become more of a gimmick in this show because they did pull it off. It did work, but it also worked because it was so surprising when it happened. I mean, you don't expect a happy, jolly, danceable teen, you know, girl group. Well, Leslie Gore wasn't really in a girl group, but you know what I'm saying? That kind of you know, bubblegum pop from the 50s playing during a f- just fairly violent, you know, the world is going to be ending, death is on the horizon, I have to save the only person I've ever loved while engaging in horrific extended violence. You don't expect those to go together. You really don't. And it was how surprising the moment was that made it work. Now, If they just decide, oh, well, we have another fight scene here. Let's insert another 50s track under it. You know what I'm saying? That wouldn't work as well. Because it would be expected by then. And there are a couple little tricks like that that they did in season one that you can see how, if they're not careful, if the showrunner isn't careful, could just become weird tropes in season two and following. And I'm talking about it like it's already got a season two. Netflix has yet to announce a season two yet. But since they canceled Jessica Jones and The Punisher, they don't have any of the Marvel shows left. And this is a superhero show that they have. So, And they did actually make them hand over the full plan for the series, even for the um, comics that won't come out for years. So they they do know the full, you know, beginning to end of the story. So, you know, they at least intended to hopefully do a full, you know, do, do the whole thing and get more than one season. Hopefully it will, because it was really good. But, you know, I, I don't want them to rely on that. I also want to see some 
change in the characters. And I do expect to see some of that because, you know, number one now realizes that, you know, he was kind of a chump for daddy. Um, you know, I'm not going to go through the numbers very well, but the actress, you know, well, she had her throat slit and can't really talk and that's her superpower. So that's going to affect everything about her life. And number five, well, is resetting everything because he thinks he might know a future pasty way of future pasting the apocalypse of the future past of the apocalypse doesn't future past or something really curious what's going to happen with that. And I know, I know their comics are out there, but like I said, I enjoyed the show. I don't know that I would enjoy the comics. If you're a real big fan of the comics, you can try to talk me into it and you might be successful. I'm open to the idea. I'm just not like ecstatic about it. I'm not running out to grab them. I rather enjoyed the acting. It was oddly um, grounded, I think is the word. For, for a show that is as hyperbolic as the show is, and a show that had the potential for all the melodrama, so much of the acting was very grounded in a sense of reality that, again, made you forget that you were dealing with a talking chimp and a robot mom and a dude who had his head grafted on a Martian ape's body and, you know, stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a really hard show to talk about because, one, the timey-wimeyness of it, which, again, is another aspect that it got right. Like, I can't help but compare this show to Titans because while its timey-wimeyness is literally timey-wimeyness, it's jumping back and forth in time and we're getting to see stuff in the past, in the future, and, you know, from all over the place, you know, Titans kept taking us to other characters in other places because it took way too long to get to the monkey and put people together. You know, it, the Titans were not together for the vast majority of season one, and that really hurt the show. And this series kind of Put the proof to that if we had met all of these characters completely separately and we do because we meet them before they go to the funeral and we kind of see their process of getting there and what have you so you know they but they did that all by the end of season one by the end of i'm sorry not season one by the end of episode one everybody's together and there you go. There you are. That's what had to happen. And the fact that Titans didn't do that is one of the things that made the series feel drawn out. Because you're watching the Titans. You're not watching the Dick Grayson Raven lack of comedy hour. Though that's what it felt like a lot for the opening episodes. I, I kind of hate the fact that I'm comparing it to Titans so hard, but I mean, they, they washed out the color in the same way. Like visually it felt like Titans. Like if you told me that these two shows took place in the same cinematic universe, I would not be surprised because visually, aesthetically, 
they do fit in that same kind of a world. But unlike unlike DC Universe, who just didn't have the guts to go there, a lot probably because they didn't have the budget to go there. I don't think Warner Brothers gave them the funding to go there. I mean, Pogo could not have been cheap to put in the episodes that he was in because, I mean, he's so well rendered. You forget that, you know, there's not really a talking chimpanzee running around with them. And that says a lot for a TV show. I mean, I've been amazed at the level of the spe- of special effects on Star Trek Discovery, because they've been putting the money in, with the exception of one episode that shall not be named. You can go back and see my episode reviews, because I talked about it when it happened. But with the exception of one episode that didn't quite, you know, live up to the mark, they've been doing a really good job of getting, you know, the special effects to look good. And, well, I'm not going to say that Netflix hasn't. This, this show went above and beyond. And it actually... In a weird way, Umbrella Academy makes me so excited for the live-action Avatar The Last Airbender show that they're doing, because the one thing that worried me the most was the special effects, and would Netflix put enough money into it to make them look good? Would they be able to pull it off on a Netflix budget? Dude, if you can have a walking, talking chimpanzee as part of your show and make them feel like an actual character that should be there... You can do airbending. And so, more than anything, like, as much as I enjoy the show, and I highly recommend that if you like this kind of thing, you should definitely watch it. But, um, it gave me more confidence in Netflix being able to pull off weird and wacky shows, and shows with intense special effects being necessary. Because the fight at the end with Vanya was phenomenal it was just beautiful and honestly i didn't have faith in them to be able to pull off that kind of thing in a live action feature i just i just didn't and maybe that's on me but actually i think it's because i watched okaja and yeah i watched that and that kind of took down my expectations (laughs) a bit but I don't know. All in all, it was a great show. Really enjoyed it. I hope they have a season two. I hope season two is as good, if not better, than season one. And I'm surprised that I haven't seen more people talking about it. I mean, I've seen some here, there, and yonder. I'm hoping that we're not in a place where we've been with a few studios and whatnot, where people are just kind of deciding to just be nasty for nasty sake. Like I've noticed a lot of people who said very, uh, let's say positive things about stranger things season one and season two start to badmouth season two now, because that's the cool thing to do. And that's what all the cool kids are doing and not looking forward to season three because meta narratives are a thing that I try to stick out, stay out of at all possible see my uh, Crimes of Grindelwald episode for an example of that. But all in all, good show. I am really curious where it's going. And Gerard Way made me like a song that he did. And yeah, again, cheating. It was Hazy Shades of Winter and 
that's just a great song. But still, found a way to make me like him. Good on ya. Good on ya. Anywho, I hope you enjoyed this episode. There's a lot of things that I wanted to say, and we may revisit Umbrella Academy on a future episode. If you did like this, if you did like what I, yeah, okay, I just can't talk today. If you liked what you heard, even though that it was completely incoherent and I have apparently lost my ability to speak the English, please, if the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either the podcast or the episode, please do so. That helps out a lot. That tells the algorithm to share me with more people. If you've got a dollar you can throw my way. You can look in the show notes and you'll see a link that says Anchor Community Support. If you click that, you can join the project at the $1, $5, $10 levels. That money helps out a lot, especially now with all the crazy going on. We've been running some ads, trying to grow the podcast. You helped me get this wonderful mic. Thank you for that. Um, You helped me get the software that I'm using. You know, all the things that you all do, because between the Patreon, the ads, and this, you know, you guys help out a lot, and thank you. Thank you so much. If you don't have any money, or don't feel like giving, that's okay. Trust me, I know what that feels like. I really do. What you could do is, you know, share the podcast with somebody that you think would like it. That helps out a lot as well. Or, if you really want to make my day, whether you are a member of the project or not if you go over to anchor.fm download the anchor app follow project shadow over there you'll see a button that says voice message you can leave me up to a one minute voice message it can be a question a comment or a topic you'd like to hear me discuss on the show used to get more of those i'd love to get more i'd love to be able to make this more of a community project so thank you all so very much. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm C. Dorson on Twitter. You can join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Project Shadow and try to get something started over there. You can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. And until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye. <laughs>